Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this 127th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests on this episode include singer and songwriter Emily Miller. We'll be talking about her current single and upcoming video release for that single, Take the Trash Out. We'll also visit with singer, songwriter, and influencer Danny L. Kleha. We'll talk about her latest single, her new lifestyle brand, upcoming shows, and much more. And we'll also visit with singer and songwriter H. Jack Williams. We've got a brand new upcoming album, Halfway to Hell, we'll be talking about. Of course, if you would, please take the time to subscribe, comment, leave some feedback, check out the shop, and share with your friends. Now, here's the newest dumb thing that people are doing on TikTok. The milk crate challenge is where you stack a bunch of milk crates into a pyramid and try to walk up and over them without falling and hopefully without hurting yourself. Now, pyramid isn't really the right word. It's a line of milk crates stacked at different heights. So you steadily go uphill until you get to the middle one that's seven milk crates high. Then you go down the other side and you can't use your hands at all. Now, there are a bunch of videos of people trying it, and most of them fail, sometimes spectacularly. So people really are hurting themselves. But some make it look easy, like a woman who actually did it in heels. A returning guest, I like to call him a friend of the show, Emily Miller with us. And first off, Emily, great to see you, my friend. Good to see you, too. Now tell us, what's been keeping you busy over the last five months? I mean, I know last time we talked, we were talking pre-release of the single, but uh, yeah. now it's been out there for a little bit. How has uh, how has it grown legs, if you will? Um. Well, I am getting ready on this Thursday, the 26th, I think is the date. <laughs> um, I am getting ready to release my music video for the song and for Take the Trash Out, and I am so excited for it. It was my first music video experience, and we had so much fun. I recorded it with some people here in Nashville, um, uh, Stormlight Pictures, and they were phenomenal and creative, and we just took the concept take the trash out and we turned it into a comedic approach and that has been keeping me busy getting ready for that release and then um just playing as many shows as i can and getting traveling as much as i can to play these shows and playing shows here in nashville quite a bit mm -hmm. and um to fill the time and just getting ready to get my ep ready to release to everybody and so we're just one thing after the next just plugging along Oh yeah. <laughs> now what is, uh, what has been uh, this summer? What's this summer been like? I mean, obviously it wasn't quite like 2020 was, I mean, you had maybe a few more opportunities. What was the biggest thing that you, uh, you take away from this past summer? Growth. I would say, I, I think it's, it's always nice. I haven't compared to like 2019 and stuff. And even last year I was still traveling a little bit, um, mm -hmm. playing shows, um, in like the middle of nowhere kind of places, which I love. I love meeting people in the middle of nowhere. Some of my best friends have come from the middle of nowhere <laughs> on the road. And, um, and so it's been a lot different this year. Like people, um, I'm not traveling as much as I was, um, it, a little bit, but not as much. And, um, and just getting, I think growth though, as far as like, as an artist and learning 
that I, where I need to focus my time Mm. and where I need to move and what direction has been a big thing this summer. What have you learned? What has been maybe one of the, the, the new things that you picked up this summer? Um, I, piano, to be honest. Um, I, I've played piano since I was a little girl. Um, my mom started me and my mom and dad signed me up. I think when I was second grade, six, seven years old, and I've always played, but I never had my piano. Um, I have a baby, my parents gifted me with a baby grand when I turned 14. Um, and because the keyboard just wasn't cutting it anymore. (laughs) And, uh, and so I, when I moved to Nashville and I went to college and I, um, and even when I moved into my very first place, um, here in Nashville, all I had was a keyboard and it was a nice keyboard. We went and got the one with the weighted keys and like, <laughs> right. and, and we, we did, well, it's just not like playing a baby grand. And, and so, and I missed my baby so much. And so I moved in um, to a house here a couple months ago and we brought my piano down um, and I finally got it here in Nashville and I've been playing it nonstop. And it's just, it's brought out. I didn't realize that one instrument could bring out so much many different creative endeavors. And it's just, I've, I've had so much fun just plucking away and re relearning what I kind of lost skill wise, um, over the last few years and just seeing how it's changed me. Um, and like how I'm even my writing standpoint and how I'm writing comes differently on piano than it does on guitar. And so that's been a real learning blessing, I guess, um, this year. Now, sitting down at the piano, I know whenever I sit down at the piano, I tend to go a little slower when I'm on the piano than any other instrument. Do you find that when you're writing and you're at the piano, are you writing more emotional stuff than, say, if you've got the strings that you're plucking at? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't... I don't know if I'm gifted enough yet to give us some tempo yet when it comes to piano. I mean, like I can try, but I've been like digging into my old like Taylor Swift songs and stuff that I used to learn and like, like the original Taylor Swift song back when I thought, think she was at her prime right. and, um, and, and then just some older nineties country stuff, which has always been my wheelhouse and, and just learning it. I, I've told my friend the other day, I was like, I kind of want to like, get somebody to come in to the house and like record me playing piano and release a couple like piano cover songs of me playing because it's just, it's my, I feel like my voice reaches different levels with piano than it does with guitar. And I don't know if it's cause I'm like pushing down and everything <laughs> or what, but it's just, it, it's a lot of fun to play piano. Emily, I know that this summer you've had a, an opportunity to relate and uh, and talk with the fans as well. And I know for you, it's it's huge to be able to be an influence and to be inspiring to others out there. What what have been the uh, the inspirations that you've been sharing uh, over the last couple of months? I think my biggest thing that I've even taken away um, and I've been trying to tell people like people message me all the time, people that have seen me at shows or that haven't seen me at shows just follow along my social media journey and that we all are going through a struggle. And I think that's the biggest thing is like what we put on social media is the highlight (laughs) of our life nobody's putting like, I don't have kids, but nobody I saw the other day, somebody that I follow was like, nobody's putting the kids having temper tantrums on social media. They put the pretty little family picture together. And that's always been my philosophy. I I grew up in a family that was very like, hide your crazy and act like a lady. And 
my mom learned over the last few years that that is no longer, I don't operate that way. What you see is what you get with me. And if I'm having a bad day, if there's a bug crawling on my floor, they're going to see it on social media. <laughs> and they're going to see me panic attacking to it and, and stuff. And I think that's the biggest thing that I keep trying to tell people in my live streams or anything in life is that, we are all going through something. And I think this year and the last year and a half specifically, there has been so much mental struggles in everyone being cooped up, not knowing if it's safe to go outside for some people. And my dad's got an, um, got a condition where he does have an autoimmune deficiency. And, and so it's like, well, he was just living his life the last few months. And then now all of a sudden, do you go out? And like, that's a struggle. And then it's like, well, nobody wants to just sit at home. We're not meant as humans to just sit at home. (laughs) And, and, and so I think that's the biggest thing is that like, don't, don't worry if you're struggling because somebody else is going through the exact same thing, whether they want to share it or not, everyone's going through their own battles. We just, are very, very good on social media covering it. <laughs> I tell you, we mentioned this kind of in passing before we came on the air. You know, we went through the whole phase one of COVID last year. And now that it seems like those numbers are getting back up there, I know we've seen some of the big names dropping some concerts uh, for the rest of the year. I mean, what? how do you have to mentally prepare for the, the possibility of what could exist coming up? To be honest, I don't know. It's an everyday struggle. It just it, it's stressful, and I and it, it it's fun for us to do live streams and stuff. It's not as fun as being in front of people and performing. And I'm such a people person, and like I have my introverted moments where I just want to sit, be quiet, and be by myself. But um, I have been thriving for the first time in like a long time because I'm in front of people four to five days a week. And that's what scares me. It's like seeing the big names drop their shows. Mm -hmm. It makes you wonder, are all of these, a lot of the bars that I used to play at before COVID, they're shut down and, and, and they, they couldn't survive. And so things being shut down again, it's, that's why I just, it's scary and it's it's i'm hopeful that we don't get to that point where the world is like completely shut down and i don't think it will get to that point i think people will resist that (laughs) um but i'm lucky that we're not on the big stadium tour like level and so like our ours are a little bit more manageable and it's smaller crowds and so it I'm, i'm hopeful that we'll at least be able to survive Now, I know you've had the opportunity to get out there and play. What was it like the first time getting back on the stage after months away? Weird. Like, I (laughs) I forgot all the lyrics. I forgot all the words. I thought it would just come back to me. And then all of a sudden, you're going to the second second verse or the changed (laughs) chorus. And you're like, what are the words to my own songs half the time? And then other songs that I'd been playing for years couldn't remember them and it wasn't even like it wasn't even that I wasn't even playing them during quarantine because I was it was just something about like when you're standing in front of somebody and then you just forget and it was crazy but um 
now we're back to normal and hopefully we <laughs> stay that way. How has the, how has the writing been for you? I know you talked about getting the piano now. How has the songwriting been for you? Has it, uh, has it picked up a little bit over the last few months? Yes, I will say my creative nature is starting to come back. For a while, when you're stuck inside, it's like, what what can you do? Like, there's nothing. I need life experiences to pull from. And and so there, it was a struggle to try to find something. I, I'm not one of those people that can write every day. Sometimes it's once a month that I get something that I am that I'll take away and it'll be good. And, um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's been, it's been interesting. And like I said, I moved into this house and decorating is also like a creative energy that I didn't realize was going to drain me. (laughs) And, um, and so it's like, when I went to sit down and write with some of my friends, all of a sudden it was like, I have nothing to give. And, and it was a weird, and my friend was like, well, maybe because you've been working on like painting and doing all this other like creative stuff, your creativity is gone. And I think, so I'm like, everything else is on the back burner with the house at this point. (laughs) And we're, we're back to trying. I'm like the songwriting's more important at this point, but, but yeah, we're, I'm trying. Um, it's, it's a different, it depends on the day, to be honest for me, it's always been that way. Now, what's the thing you look most forward to the rest of 2021 working into uh, January 1, 2022? Well, I think this music video coming out on Thursday, I'm very excited for everyone to see it. It was one of those where when I got the first draft back, I was like screaming at myself. I was like, <laughs> yes, you go. Like I I was like, my, my mom was worried when I told her I was doing, because it was uh, the concept of the video is kind of like, uh, like a, there was a Taylor Swift video. I think it was like you belong with me where she played all of the characters in the um, video. And that's kind of the concept that we took for this, where I was playing the fifties housewife. I was playing the redneck. I was playing um, the girl just throwing the clothes out the window. I was doing all of these different um, scenarios. And so I, my mom was like, terrified she's like emily you're not an actress and i was like <laughs> yeah i know but let's let let's go and and so i think when at the end there was like we made like this trash throne and um and so that was i think the my favorite part and when it came in i was screaming at myself i was fist pumping i was like yes this is what i've always wanted and so that i'm, I'm most excited about the music video coming out and then um before the end of the year for sure i don't have a specific date yet um the my um ep will be coming out Mm -hmm. and um and so we're getting all the touches ready for that and getting ready for it to come out and i'm excited there's a couple new songs on there that um people have not heard and um unless you've been at a writer's round here in nashville or been out to a show and um and so i'm excited um for people to hear those songs and um and to get that out. And so hopefully that'll be lead us up to 2021 or 2022. Yeah. There we go. It's already 2022, <laughs> 2022. And then we'll start fresh with some new, new things. And in 2022. Now, what was it like to see yourself on the screen whenever you're seeing the playback? I mean, was that a little scary the first time? 
Yeah, yeah, it was. It was one of those where I, I was just, I, it was surreal because it was like, you never know when the day of the video was a 12 hour day and, um, and they were like stripping my makeup off, putting it back on. My face was raw by the end and I was like worried in the last scene because you could just like see all like the redness like she was doing the best she could to like get the redness to like go away and i have sensitive skin as is well when you change my makeup seven times <laughs> in a day and she's like go take your makeup off my eyes can't handle it anymore and and so seeing seeing myself back on the the screen and like seeing it all come together and seeing scenes that i wasn't even a part of that they taped when i was doing a wardrobe change or whatnot um it was it was cool and they actually filmed the video at my house here oh, wow. and um and so we uh we did it in the backyard inside and so it's kind of weird to see that's my house on the video <laughs> and um and so yeah it's i'm excited for it that's good stuff. Now, Emily, again, the video comes out on Thursday. I mm-hmm. want to make sure and let folks know where they can tune in, check out the video, pick up the single, updates on the EP and uh, social media and all that. Where's the best place for our folks to keep up with all this stuff? Well, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. The video will be released on YouTube on Thursday at 5, um, 5 p.m. Central Time, so 6 okay. p.m. Eastern. And... Um, we have a couple other outlets that are going to be streaming it and stuff too. Um, but the main source is YouTube on my YouTube channel and, um, Instagram. I have like a little link that takes you to all of my social media. You can find the song on Spotify, Apple music, iTunes, wherever your heart desires, you can find the song and all the other stuff. Facebook's got my events and upcoming shows. And I try to keep those updated as much as possible. And so, but yeah, there you go well emily it is always great to see you and uh it, five months it took us five months to get you back yes on. it's yes. uh it, it's great to visit with you again i look forward to the release of the video and catching up again real soon my friend yes thank you for having me now my dentist tells me to start flossing every time i go in but somehow they've never told me this An oral health expert in the UK is trending on TikTok after explaining why it's better to brush your teeth before breakfast, not after. Now, some people wait so they can brush away all the food particles, but brushing right after breakfast isn't a great idea because your mouth is full of acid. Now, things like coffee, juice, and even toast make your mouth more acidic. And if you brush with all that acid in there, it can damage your enamel. Now, brushing before breakfast also adds a thin layer that protects your teeth from all that acid. And in general, there's a lot of bacteria in your mouth right after you wake up. So brushing before you eat is better for a few reasons. Now, if you really want a clean mouth, you could brush before and after. Just make sure you wait a little while before your post-breakfast brush. The American Dental Association says to wait an hour after eating but some dentists say 30 minutes is enough. Or swish with water and that should lower the amount of acid that's in there. We've got Danny L. Kleha with us today and uh, she had to give me had to give me uh, speech lessons again on the on the name, but Danielle, it is always great to visit with you. 
Oh my gosh, it is so great to be back again. I know we were just talking. It's been what, like almost eight months now, and I feel mm-hmm. like it was just yesterday. And we had so much fun at the last interview. So <laughs> when uh, when Bev let me know that we were going to be chatting again, I was so excited to be back. So I thank you for having me, and you know, always appreciate your support. And I was looking the the podcast that you were on was actually January one of twenty twenty one. So. Man, live! How how much different is the outlook for you now as opposed to January one this year? It's crazy. I mean, first of all, I feel like it was just yesterday. At the same time, as it just feels like everything is flying by. We were just talking about that, and you know, so much has changed. So much has stayed the same. So much has evolved, and you know what I mean. We're we're still not like back to to fully touring yet to fully uh you know full capacity everything quite yet which of course hurts my heart um <laughs> and i i look forward to the day that that we get back into that fully you know and we're we're still in a lot of the virtual stuff a lot of the zoom stuff a lot of the you know all of that um but i i look forward to the the time when we are fully back into especially like the positive youth tour because we uh, kind of had to pause that when everything happened right. in the world and uh we're, we're still on that pause right now because with that we're, we tour schools you know we're in elementary schools and middle schools and high schools and we talk about bullying and i get to share my music with them and i share my own message on bullying and things that i've dealt with and so uh obviously you know schools have kind of been back and forth they've been doing zoom they've been doing in person and so we have our fingers crossed that hopefully you know with this coming fall and winter time we can bring that back and and get back into that now how has i know you talked about making a difference in kids lives and obviously being totally separate that's made it a bit more of a challenge but social media has probably helped out a lot in reaching out as well right it has. It has in so many different ways between my, I, I've always loved social media. Like that's always been something that's been very special to me because even when life was normal, <laughs> we'll call that the normal times, right? <laughs> um, you know, it, it was a great way for me to be able to communicate with fans and followers. And I always say, I hate saying the word fans because it sounds so impersonal. <laughs> so with my friends, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's such a great way to communicate, even when we're on the road, or to those people who maybe can't make it to the show, or to the people who might be in another state, in another country even. It's such an amazing way between Facebook Lives and Instagram Stories. I'm huge into Instagram Stories and going on there every day, and um, communicating in some sort of way, even if it's just everyday life, because I like to be as authentic and real as possible because I think we need more of that in the world. (laughs) And uh, so I I try to just add a little bit of that if I can to help to, to bring a difference to that. But my socials has been huge for me this past year and a half, 18 months, however long it's been now uh, to, to communicate in that, in that way. And it's been so much fun. We got to, actually create a fan club, a virtual fan club throughout all of this, because I wanted something that was a little bit more one-on-one for the fans, not just 
you know, what everybody else is able to see and, and things like that. So we created a, a private Facebook group and it's completely free for them to just come on in and join. I do contests all of the time. It's called Danielle's Daily Coffee Corner because I'm obsessed with coffee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a place where they get to communicate with each other. I get to communicate with them more one-on-one. Like I said, do more contests and exclusive content for them in that sense. And just a way for them to feel special. And so they just know how much I love them too. Now, what has songwriting been like since we spoke last? How has what's transpired this year affected your writing? Yeah, there's, there's been so much. And I feel like everybody, no matter who you are, where you're from, it's been an emotional roller coaster ride. So I feel like, you know, I have a day where I'm writing like a really happy song. And then even if I'm not down, it's like, I'll look at, I'm, I'm old school and I like to have my, my notebooks. Like I like the pen and paper and I have my notes in my iPhone, but I, I still like, you know, the old school <laughs> and I'll be looking at it. And I'm like, man, this is just a down song, but it's so good. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, when we do get back into the studio to record and to release new music, it's kind of just going to be all over the place, which is what I like best because I think people relate to that more. You know, we're not always happy. We all, you know, we have those those down days too where we need to put on a good sad song and just listen to it. And you know what I'm saying? So I feel like uh, when, when that new music comes out, it's it's going to be an emotional roller coaster ride for everybody to go through together. And that's something I love talking with singers, songwriters, producers, and stuff like that. This last bit of time that we've had so much to ourselves, are there new things that you've picked out, maybe of your songwriting or even of your vocal talents that you've been uh, been maybe really honing in on that uh, that are a bit of a surprise to you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and and that's interesting because like you said, we've all had so much time to ourselves. And even now, as the world continues to evolve and open more and more, we're still not, I heard uh, an interview yesterday on the radio, um, Jason Aldean was talking about that. And he was saying how for like the first six months, it was, it was nice almost. Like he said, you know, you get, got a break and it <laughs> got to spend time with family and, you know, and then after that, it was kind of like, okay. Well, <laughs> you know, and I, I do think that I've honed in a lot, not only in on certain things with my songwriting or my vocals or things like that, but also just on myself as an artist and the big vision of everything, you know, the impact that I, I truly do want to make and the different ways that I can make that maybe in ways that I didn't see before necessarily and different things that I have wanted to branch out into, um, over the past couple months, I got to kind of redesign my uh, merch line, which was really cool because this was the first time that I really had a chance to design the things myself and to really put a lot into it rather than just, you know, taking somebody else design or, or having, you know, putting that on someone else. I had the time to do that, which was so cool. And I got to incorporate the fans in on that. And that was really neat. And then from there I stemmed into, um, I actually released a, like a lifestyle line almost, which is going to, it's called the just be you line by Danielle. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, which is going to be kind of just an array of things that I am going to be able to carry with me for years to come as as an artist. And uh, that was just so really cool too, from from jewelry or coffee mugs or like just literally anything. And there's so many different plans and ideas that I do have for that. And like I said, I wanted that to be something that I could carry with me and evolve with me uh, along with my, my music and myself as an artist. So there's just really been so much, I think, that with so much time, like you said, there is time to hone in on, on everything and also realize the more important things too. Yeah. Now I know you've had opportunities to get out and sing. And, uh, what, one of the ones that makes me the most nervous, anytime you get asked to sing the national anthem, but, uh, you got a pretty big opportunity this month. And what's that like, uh, in the midst of all we're going through now? Well, you know what? I kind of have, some bad news with that because that was supposed to happen this past weekend and due to the hurricane ah. actually that happened it was canceled so it literally we tried so so hard they tried so hard to make it happen uh but there was a saturday and a sunday show the saturday one happened i was set to perform for the sunday show it was the uh, great pocono raceway air show and i was so excited for that because I always say that the biggest honor that I have is to sing our national anthem whenever I'm asked to. Like, I, I take that so seriously because it is such a huge honor. And I've never performed for an air show before. So I was so super pumped. And yesterday we were on our way up and it was just torrential downpours downpours and you know we got the we got the call from the uh, man who was running everything and booked me that they were they were going to cancel it of course for everyone's safety um but actually what i did was i went onto my socials and i shared a past prior uh national anthem performance and of course dedicated it to all of our, our men and women who are currently serving all of our veterans who have served for us, who fought for the freedoms that we have today. And uh, this past weekend, they actually unfortunately lost a pilot that was supposed to perform um, in, in a plane crash. He was actually practicing at our local airport. And so mm. I dedicated that in honor of him and his entire team as well. So I was still able to do a little something, you know, in the form of the national anthem, but unfortunately we didn't get to do it in person. And, and that bummed me out for sure. But everything happens for a reason. And, and hopefully we get another shot at that at some point. Now I, I talk about how it makes me nervous whenever I get asked to sing that. And is there a, a point in the song where, where you get really nervous or you're, or you get confused, get turned around in your head while you're singing the anthem? You know, what's so funny. I honestly think I, I can perform in front of like as many people as you asked me to with the band, you know what I mean? Like do a concert in front of whoever, wherever, like bring it on. Madison square garden is a goal <laughs> of mine is a dream. Like that doesn't psych me out that I'm like, let's go. And the national anthem, no matter if it's front of like in front of five people, if it's in front of 50,000 people, or if I'm doing it virtually, I psych myself out so much with that one it's it's something that like i go over it for days before and for me i think honestly it's right in the beginning is when i'm so in my head about it that i'm really thinking about it and then probably about after like say the first 10 12 words i think i just 
go with it. And I almost, (laughs) I, I get in my comfort zone then and I just go and I'm good. So for me, ironically, it's in the beginning. It's nowhere like in the middle or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's usually how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. The national anthem and you can sing it and, and, and you sing it. I've never messed it up singing it live, but at the end of, when you finish it, you're always like, did I say streaming and gleaming where they're supposed to go? That's what I always worry about. Yes, right? And like you said, knock on wood, I heard you knock too, so I'm going to do it. I've never done it before. There was one time um, prior to a, a big horse race, they were doing the Big Breeders' Crown, and they asked me to sing not only our national anthem, but the Canadian national Ooh. anthem too, and go from one into the other. I think I did the Canadian first and then right in. And let me tell you what, that was nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can make two whole countries of people mad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it went well, thank goodness. <laughs> Now, as uh, you talked about school being back and uh, the opportunity for the tour to get back out there, I mean, how much do you miss that face-to-face interaction with the kiddos and and making that difference face-to-face? Oh, so much. So, so much. And like I said, with social media, so many of them send me, uh, you know, DMs on there or comments or or things like that of how much the tour has touched them. Still, it could be, some of them are like, two years later, mm. three years later, and, and they're still talking about that. And, and that blows me away because, you know, I put so much, my, myself, my entire team, my band, everybody, we put so much into this tour. I mean, we put so much into every show that we do, but we put so much into this tour as far as, you know, how can we make it as fun as possible? How can we make it that not only for for the students that are there, but for the teachers that are there, for the faculty, for everybody that's going to be in that audience, what can we do? And, you know, I always say for not only that tour, but every single show, if we can make a difference in at least one person's life, then you know, the job is done. I say that to, to my guys in the band all of the time. If, if we can touch at least one person with, you know, my music or with things that I have gone through or things that I have dealt with, you know, for, for the positive youth tour, then, you know, we're doing our job because I think as an artist, as a performer, it is our job that when somebody's coming to a show, you know, however long you have, an hour, 45 minutes, two hours, however long they're going to be there, it's our job to have them come in, sit down in that seat, and forget about everything else. Like, that's, right, that's just where, where my mind goes. It's, that's our job. And especially with the Positive Youth Tour, I wanted to start this tour because, you know, I have my own personal experiences mm-hmm. dealing with bullying and dealing with, negativity from people or, or things like that. And I just think that I, if I could be a person, I hope that I am a person that even if not now, but one day somebody could look at me and say, well, because she did it like, so can I, if she did it, then I definitely can too. And I just want to be that inspiration for others and have others feel that, you know, we're, we're friends. It's more than just, like I said before, I always feel so, weird saying fans because I feel like it's such an impersonal term. I think we need to come up with something else. <laughs> you know, uh, I want people to feel like they're, they're friends with me. And that's why I try to share as much of my personal life as I can too. Um, 
just so they, you know, they know everybody in my life. They know my dog's name. They know my parents. They know my friends and my family. And, and that's how I, I want to keep that. Now, how have the, how have the, the struggles of the youth that are reaching out to you, how have their struggles changed this year? Well, you know, I think that I, I did get a lot of messages saying, uh, talking about loneliness, you know, and I, I think there's been a time, no matter how many people we're surrounded by in life, we all feel lonely at that, at, you know what I mean, at some point. And I think especially this past year, it's been a struggle for a lot of people, especially when things were, were really, really hardcore and we weren't able to be with family and be with friends and things like that. And so I think that it's definitely tough, especially for for the youth, because I think back to myself being in anywhere from, you know, that fifth grade through a senior year. And that's some some difficult times. You know, you're trying to figure yourself out. You're trying to figure everything out. You're trying to juggle life and friends and school and all of that and then throw a pandemic in on top of it. And, I, you know, I, I'm 25 and throw a pandemic in on top of it. And I was going crazy. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, you know, that, that's where a lot of different messages came from. And I just try to talk with them. And like I said, be like a friend, you know, that's why I like to do the lives and I like to incorporate different things in contests and, and fun stuff like that, that even when we can't be physically together, couldn't be doing meet and greets and things like that, they still feel like someone is there for them. What is on the, the, the schedule, the calendar leading up to 2022? What has got your excitement peaked for the rest of 2021? Well, you know what? We have a lot of different fun things coming up. Uh, some things that we haven't announced yet. So I, I can't like, you know, fully talk about them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, of course, like I said, we're, we're trying to plan, trying to figure some stuff out for Positive Youth Tour that even if we can't physically get into schools, uh, we want to do some sort of outdoor concert, something like that. Even maybe just some sort of one huge, like big concert that mm. we can do. Of course, we're following, you know, we have to follow everything that's, that's going on. And um, from day one, the most important thing to me was the safety of my band and my family and the fans and, you know, everybody. So we're, we're still keeping that our number one priority. Um, so just trying to figure out, even like you said, going into 2022, it's crazy to say that, like that that's even <laughs> a thought right now. Um, but going into 2022, just kind of brainstorming and game planning, everything that's going to come with shows. Again, the tour, we have so many different, updates and and thoughts and ideas when it comes to that tour in particular and uh you know we have some different local things i know that we're going to be playing something just a, a duo like myself and my guitar player they're doing something in december and uh there's a few different things that i'm going to be launching very soon that i'm really excited about uh so that and we're going to be expanding like i said my, my lifestyle line and the merch line and just doing a lot more for the fans and with the fans and of course writing all the time so new music will be around the corner so just a lot to be excited about and uh i, I hope everybody else is just as excited as i am that is right and danielle if folks want to keep up with all of that exciting news all of the music the tour the merch the lifestyle line where's the best place to keep up with all of it 
Of course, yeah. So you can go to my website. It's daniellesings.com, D-A-N-I hyphen E-L-L-E sings.com. Of course, from there, you could get linked to my Instagram, my Facebook. Those are my two socials that I am on daily, all of the time. And of course, you could join the fan club group. Uh, if you go on Facebook, you just search Danielle's Daily Coffee Corner and request to join. And either myself or someone from the team will let you on in and you can come and join the family. There you go. Well, Danielle, it is always great to see you, my friend. I, I appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule and look forward to catching up again real soon. Well, thank you so much, Cameron. It's always so wonderful talking to you, and I really do appreciate all of your support. It, it means so much. Well, it's National Waffle Day. So here's a question. What do you like best? Waffles, pancakes, or French toast? A recent poll asked 45,000 people to name their favorite breakfast food, but they only gave five options. Pancakes, waffles, French toast, eggs, or something else. And here's how people answered. Number one, eggs. They got 43% of the vote. Number two, pancakes, 18%. Number three, French toast, 16%. Number four, waffles, only 13%. So they're the least popular of the three. Number five, other. So things like bacon, sausage, and toast. Even though waffles didn't rank that high, most of us do enjoy them. Another recent survey found 76% of us like waffles. That includes 80% of women and 69% of men. Southerners and people over 65 love them the most. Our final guest on the episode today, another friend of the show. It's been a friendly episode today. Uh, all of our guests have been friends of the show, including our final guest, singer-songwriter H. Jack Williams. And uh, Jack, it's good to see you again, my friend. It's good to be back. It now, is. And uh, and obviously, because uh, when you come back on, you got something you want to talk about. And I'm excited to talk about the album that is uh, soon to release halfway to hell and uh, tell us jack about the the story behind the album and uh how excited you are to have one out there well it's not out yet but i am excited because um that it's done um it started in it started when COVID started I, you've heard this story a million times from everybody but you know COVID happened and i was supposed to be doing a whole bunch of other stuff and COVID happened and and so like everybody else, probably I laid on the couch and watched Netflix for about three, four weeks until I saw everything I could see. And then I was like, <laughs> now what do I do? So I came in here, my studio, and I I wrote one more day. I think I wrote, started writing one more day. I think it was the first song I wrote. And then I uh, sent it to Kevin Costner, and mm -hmm. he added something to it. And then it came back. And then I called Adam up. And I said, I think we need to do an album. I said, I think that's what we should do for this. And he was all for it. And I said, only this, I said, this one here, I said, I'm going to ask all my friends to be part of it, either co-write it with me or play on it. And when I say friends, I mean friends that are people are going to be impressed with, like <laughs> Gary Rosington and Ricky Medlock from Leonard Skinner. The process that I use, we use, is that I write something, 
it'll go around to everybody that's involved in the writing of it, whoever that may be. Mm-hmm. And if, it, if it's by myself, then it'll just be me and Adam. And, um, and I'll do a little work tape of it here on my studio. I'll do a lot of like, there's the kind of feel I want, a, you know, not just a guitar, but a few instruments. <clears throat> and, um, and we got started. <clears throat> and then um, as we would get a batch of three done, I would just send out, hey, any chance you could play on my album? And sure. And, and so I'm, that's what I'm really excited about is, 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 the, is the, all the people that have been part of this album. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, Gary Rosenton and Ricky Medlock and never played on anything but Leonard Skinner in their life. So that's going to be quite a thing when people see their names on there. And they, and they brought their A game when they played on it, they really did. They, 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 uh, you know, there was like, well, it was Adam. And then there was a couple of, there was Carl Dunn, the photographer. And then there was, uh, Mark Gillard from Kevin Costner's camp and they're filming it when they did it. But there was only about six or seven of us in one of my publishers. And, and we, I think the hair stood back on the back of our necks when Gary and, and Ricky, I mean, it was like, you know, I've known Gary, since way longer, long before the plane crash. <laughs> We've been friends and friends, but I've never, you know, I've never had him sit in a room mm. and and play his A game like that. And it was like, even for me, it was like, Jesus, these guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had Tom Bukovac played on it and Corey McCormick from Lucas Nelson's band played on it and um, Drew, Drew Smithers played on it. And, and it's just a great, Jim Moose Brown produced one of the tracks on it, produced the last track and co-wrote it with Kevin and I. And he wrote it's five o'clock somewhere. And mm-hmm. he played in Bob Seeger's band. And he's awesome. And that track is awesome. So I'm excited because I think it's yeah, I think it's gonna turn some heads. And I think um people won't believe an old guy like me did it. <laughs> and how much of you uh doing it is just kind of a little bit of a, of a thumb in your nose at folks that, uh, that that didn't have a faith in you as well none none no no there's not maybe to my dad but you know but no 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 because no honestly no one's ever said that to me mm. so i mean i've never had anybody say to you uh, you won't be able to do it People have always been pretty supportive. I, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, in the in the early days, and still, you know, and in the not too distant past. I mean, if I've pitched a song, and they've said, you know, sorry, pass. Mm-hmm. But it's been years since anybody ever said you ain't got it. You know, um, everybody is like been the minute I started singing, which was about three years ago. Cause I'd always been a songwriter, you know, a song, a commercial songwriter and always hired, 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 uh, big guns to do my demos. I mean, I had the best in town singing it best in town playing it. So when I stepped out and decided that I was going to sing it, um, everybody was really supportive. That's cool. Now so I wasn't coming up anybody as, you know, <laughs> I hope that um, it's well received, and I think it will be. I know. Last time we visited, we talked a little bit about you having the opportunity to write with Kevin, and 
uh, how how has that friendship and that writing songwriting relationship grown? I don't think we could be any closer friends than we are. I've done things with Kevin that, and for Kevin, that, I mean, he loves to write songs. And so when we write, and then when we go in the studio, I, I do things like, I'll, you know, I'll start talking to him a month ahead of time going, on this day, we're going in the studio and we're going to cut this song in. And on this day, you know, Gary Rosen and Ricky Medlock from Leonard Skinner are going to be in there playing on our song. And on this day, and I will just pester the shit out of him all the way <laughs> till that day. And then that day, we'll have him on Zoom and he'll be in there. And it's really great because he has as much, you know, he has as much respect for those guys as they have for him. So it's like he gets to be part of it, which which is he loves, I, I include him in on all that kind of stuff because otherwise he wouldn't get, you know, otherwise, you know, he, he wouldn't, that wouldn't happen normally, you know, I mean, but I do. I, and then we, yeah, we've written some really good stuff together and, and uh, he's on tour right now. And he's, I think he's performing two or three of my songs on tour. Got a clip of one last night that they sent me. And so, I mean, and, and so um, it's great. I mean, it's great. It's good. It's a great relationship. Um, it's been going on like seven years now, so it's 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 really good. Yep. I tried to, you know, I tried to pester him as much as I could in the beginning, so he knew that I meant business. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't just going to be easily shooed away. <laughs> How much different do you look at songwriting now? Whenever you're songwriting for yourself, I mean, how much different? Are you as a songwriter writing for yourself? Oh, I'm honest now. I'm honest now. Now I talk about what's really inside of me, not what I'm making up to please other people or to get a cut, you know, or I'm not saying that some of that stuff out there isn't honest because it is. I mean, the house that built me, Lord, how on, mm. more honest can you get? Um, and, 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 you know, there's some really honest stuff out there. I'm just saying that I'm just saying what I'm writing would never be on country radio because it's, it's too dark, but at least I'm, but I'm reaching down and, and, and pulling out the real, the real deal. I mean, this is, this is, but you know, I'm not saying, okay, well, well, there is one song on my record called beat me again, W Earl Brown, the actor and I, and Adam wrote it, but I, he, he actually wrote that lyric. Most of that lyric, um, I told him my past, my history as a kid, and he wrote that lyric. And then after we wrote that, then we we both went back and forth on it. And then that when we recorded it, that's the one that's the duet with Brandy Zidane, and that was the one that I was like, well, it's about abuse and um, about child abuse and. And I said, uh, Adam, I said, I think we need to make this a, uh, we need to make this a duet. I said, because guys aren't the only ones that get abused. Girls do too. And so if she'll sing a part that's really hard to sing, then some little girl out there that might be in a bad situation that hears that will go, she's not the only one in the world that that's happening to, you know? So that's, that's why I do it. I do it because not only to get it out of me, but I do it. And I've always, when I've written serious stuff, I've always done it in the hopes that somebody that's going through something horrific or good, whatever, 
can say to themselves, well, I'm not the only one. Mm. I was just having this conversation with, with somebody today and um, that I'm starting to work with. And we were just talking about when we were kids, you know, my first crush. And I remember, um, I remember how bad I was hurting. You know, I was a 12 year old and, and I remember, I think it was either Jerry and the pacemakers or I think it was Jerry and the pacemakers. Don't let the sun catch you crying. And, or some something like that. There was one of don't look and or something, some sad Beatles song. Mm-hmm. And it was like, ah, I feel so much better now because I know that he feels the same, even though he didn't. <laughs> but you know, yeah, that's how I feel. I feel it's honest. And how much has streaming, Netflix, Hulu, all the extra streaming services? I know we talked a little bit about writing for the screen before, uh, music for the screen. How much has that opened up the game for songwriters and singers as well the last few years? Wide open. I think that that's the new. I mean, for people that, you know, for people that want to do that kind of thing, I think that's the new. Uh, I know music supervisors. I've heard music supervisors say that they're the new A and R, they're the new A and R people of the world because they are. Because if um, if um, let's say uh, the music supervisor for uh, a new show. Uh, well, let's just take any show. Let's just take Yellowstone, for example. Like I said, I don't know them at all. Let's say I don't know them. <laughs> and all of a sudden they get, my my publisher send them my, my record. And the music supervisor hears something on that that works for what she's looking for. Well, not only, and this is today's world, not only does she go, wow, I'm a, this is great, but this is great for him. Because once I do this, this is going to beef up his album. It's going to make him, and all of a sudden, oh, wow, they pulled that song off of that. Well, another music supervisor, it becomes a thing. And it's off of that, it's off of that project, whether it's an EP or whether it's an album or whether it's a three song, it doesn't matter. They pull it off that project and that, and that, that artist suddenly is gaining momentum where, where radio might've done it for him in another time and place. That makes sense. Completely, completely makes sense. I, I, and I know that for myself, I remember back in the day whenever iTunes was first coming out and they always had one of the new songs that they would post on those iTunes commercials. And as a radio guy, a lot of times those were songs that I had not yet heard. And so it was an opportunity for me to, to pick up on some, some new music as well. And how have you seen that on uh, firsthand the correlation between the music and, and the screen helping one another out? For me, well, for me, it's been, it helps when people find out that you've had songs on TV, but when they know that, when you say that, like for this album, for example, in the beginning, I was looking for, I was being a little bit naive at my age and I was looking for an album deal because I wanted this project to be out there. I didn't really know what I was looking for, but I knew that I wanted this project to be out there so it could be not sold so much, but get out there to where the music supervisors could hear it or to where um, big ears could hear it. Mm-hmm. And so then I found out from Bev, I mean, Bev was really the one that opened, opened my ears up to this. It was like, I don't think you're looking for a record deal. I think you're looking for a big distribution deal and somebody that also does sync too, somebody that's in the sync world. Mm-hmm. And then we found, she found Copperline and, and um, that's who, 
we're signing with, and Copperline is affiliated with Sony's The Orchard, and they have across the board they they have big sinks and and stuff like that. So I think that's all going to be part of what's going to happen with this because I'm strictly, you know, I'm not writing so that I can go on tour. I'm writing so that my songs can go on tour right. <laughs> in the film world. <laughs> but, you know, I don't mind if I, it would be nice to play a few dates. I mean, like if I got a big song in a movie and it was, or a song in a big movie, that's wrong, the other way to put it, <laughs> a song in a big movie. And I was able, and that was like big stuff. Then it would be nice to go out and do a few dates, not a big tour because I'm too busy to do that, but go out and do, open up for somebody and talk about my song. Cause I love performing. Now you talked about some of the co-writers that helped on the album, but uh, the players as well, just as top notch as, as the, uh, the other writers you were able to work along with on this project. Oh my God. I'm telling you, I think I made a, I made a thing. I had to make a thing for Bev yesterday and I was like, I was actually shocked. I mean, um, <laughs> she wanted the players. Um, okay. So on the songwriters, on the songwriters on it, we got, um, well, Kevin Costner wrote two songs. Heidi Newfield wrote one with me. Um, Tommy Connors wrote one with me. Troy Johnson wrote one with me. W. Earl Brown wrote one with me. Uh, Moose wrote one with me. And uh, Adam wrote most of them with me. Mm-hmm. So that's the writers. And then the instrumental guys, the um, um, players, Gary Rosington, Ricky Medlock, Moose Brown, Tom Bugovac, Mike Johnson, who's probably the top pedal steel player in town, Matt Coombs, who's probably the top string guy in town, Brandy Zidane, an artist in her own right, did the duet with me, Drew Smithers. Uh, I know I know you know who Drew Smithers is. Oh, from, yeah. Um, and um, William Moore, um, from, um, who's a big bass player in town, he played bass. Corey McCormick played bass. Teddy Morgan from Kenny's, from Kevin's band played a couple, played on one song. And then Tim Quick from the Bacon Brothers and Gloria Gaynor played on a song. So, and, 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 and honestly, the only reason why we don't have twice that many, because I talked to so many more people, um, Dwayne Betts actually played on a song, but we had to pull it because it was because um, because it was just too much real estate mm. and too many other things going on. We had to just pull that part. But I mean, I was so we had to, I I mean Adam finally had to say stop, Jack. There's no room for you to put any more people on this. I mean, if you if you if if you keep asking people to play and they keep saying yes, and I got to find a hole for them to play in it's going to sound like a, you know, it's going to sound like a jam session on every song. And that's not what we want. So I finally had to shut up and quit asking people, but it was fun. It was fun to ask people to play and, you know, especially my favorite players and, you know, my favorite players, not because of who they were, but because I loved the way they play. And for you, what does that say to you personally, the respect that the players, the other songwriters have to, to also be a part of the project. Well, I'm always been the one that always thought that I wasn't too good. And I always thought that I wasn't worth much, but I always looked at myself that still do. I look at myself as that. I wish I could be in that, in that camp. I wish I could be in that game, but I think this has shown me that they must think that I'm, I'm okay for them to play on my record because I don't think they would if 
I don't think they they would be risking their reputations if there wasn't something to risk it for. Yeah. So it must have something good. It's still hard for me to believe. It's still hard for me to believe how much people like my voice. I I I grew up with people telling me all my life that it was I I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket if I tried. And then and then and then Richie Havens told me in the beginning that I should sing, but then I didn't listen to him. I was still thought I was awful, so I never <laughs> did. And it's only been in the last three years that people are just consistently going, "It's the voice that we love. It's that voice." And I, you know, and so I've tried to find, I've tried to hear what they hear, and uh, and I just. I just sing what's in my heart and it comes out what they hear, I guess. I'm sure certainly not a trained vocalist. That's for sure. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> now again, the, uh, the new album halfway to hell, Jack, I, I want to make sure and let our listeners know where they can find uh, more info as that gets ready to be released. And also all of your social medias as well. Well, I'm on all social media under H Jack Williams music and I'm not sure yet when it's, I mean, um, the deals are all just about done. And once they're all done, which is supposed to be the end of this month, then, then Copper Line takes over on the release of it. They said about four to six weeks, maybe less. They want to get the press out there. And um, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking early October. And I think that everybody's going to know from what I understand from Copper Line it's going to get publicized pretty big and it's going to be a, there'll be a big release and it'll, uh, I will be talking about it, of course, on my, my social media, Bev will be talking about it. I mean, it'll be once it starts to roll, it's going to, I think it's going to be a, a, a good role. Well, I look forward to it myself. And uh, again, H. Jack Williams, singer-songwriter, be looking for Halfway to Hell, the upcoming album. And Jack, it is always great to visit with you, sir. I appreciate you taking some time, and I can't wait for the new album. Well, I'll make sure that um, once everything is cleared, I'll make sure to get you a copy. Well, thanks again for joining us for this 127th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. If you ever have a comment, a question, anything else you'd like to know, you can hit me up on the contact page, gqwithcam.com. You can also find me on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at gqwithcam. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, you can visit our merch store, where we've got hoodies, shirts, stickers, tumblers, and mugs, and a lot more. That's gqwithcam.com forward slash shop. And if you have a special guest idea, email me gqwithcam at gmail.com. Well, thanks again to our good friend, Brandon Allen, for coming up with our theme music. We're going to let him play us out and hope you guys have a great rest of your Tuesday.